This is Nicole Lee Master, and I have Niall Diggs on the phone with me, and we're doing a podcast. And we just took a moment to center ourselves and set intentions for the evening. And both of us have a common intention of having whatever is talked about tonight to reach the ears it's supposed to reach and have some profound impact. Um, Niall Diggs is somebody I've known for a long time, um, and he studied aviation at Ohio State. After that, he played 12 years in the NFL, and you can maybe talk a little bit about that if you would like, but briefly, um, his career included the Green Bay Packers, Carolina Panthers, St. Louis Rams, and San Diego Chargers. He currently does a post-game radio and TV show for the San Diego Chargers. He's an assistant coach at Point Loma High School. He's a spokesman for Go For It, and he has his own path um, and spiritual awakening and following the consciousness trajectory. Hi, Niall. How are you tonight? I'm very well. Happy to be, happy to have the opportunity to be on. Yeah, thank you very much for supporting this new baby of mine. And so... Well, it's always a pleasure to, to speak about it, and, and I hope that uh, there's at least hopefully one person, you know, can hear I agree. Um, so I wanted to kind of follow the impulse of what you might want to talk about, what's most alive for you right now, and we can kind of go from there. Well, what's really been on my mind lately is just feeling of insecurity and, but at the same time, feeling assured. I think the past month and a half have been a little crazy for me, um, as far as in the political, in our political um, society goes. Uh, we just seem to be in a little bit of a, of a phase, and I'm not political at all. Um, I didn't really follow much other than just what I couldn't help but hear from either friends or family. Um, there just ha there just has an energy about everyone that's kind of uptight. Some people are okay, but just a lot of people that don't agree with who our president, next president will be and uh, the feelings and emotions that those in, that, that decision or that that choice invoked um, in a lot of people, which is a lot of anger, a lot of distrust, a lot of uh, fear, and I feel it. I can hear it, and it it bothers me a little bit. Um, but I I, I kind of just can walk through it. But I definitely feel the energy. I. I would. I hope that everybody's got their ways of, of, of getting through things, and I trust the universe that it will 
it will show them their way um, one way or another, whether I like it or agree with it or whether they like it or agree with it. It's, uh, you know, we're all, we're all kind of uh, attracted to our, you know, we're all kind of our own tuning forks. And so um, sometimes we all have different tones and that's fine. But mm. to not have any judgments about it and, and really are able to see things for what it is and, and stay away from judgments. And I really think it's a really a, a profound time in, in our country, uh, especially for uh, our consciousness level, because there's, there's a lot of things that were in the dark that are now starting to arise and be seen by the light. And and it's 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 interesting because it's it's a decision time we have to make. Either we're going to face it or we're going to turn back into the dark. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, hopefully, you know, as a as a country, we can kind of evolve and move through it. So um, I have so many questions out of everything you just shared, and I couldn't agree more. First and foremost, and I kind of wonder where where you stand when you say either a country faces it or not are we talk what are what are you directly talking about i'm talking about our country going through an evolution in its in its existence and it goes back to either you know back to um, native americans to slavery to human rights to civil rights um there's, there's, there's a junction in this country's history that we come to, that we have come to. And we've not always made the right decisions, the good, ethically good decisions, but we made the decisions based on, on our levels of consciousness. We made the decisions that we were given, that, that, that the circumstances call for. So and you're talking that, about the collective consciousness. Collective consciousness, correct, um, and and those things, I, I obviously that there, it's it's a majority, it's a mass feeling. It takes uh, a number of of of, those, of that sort of consciousness to be able to, you know, be okay with the things that are going on in this country, whether it's the eradication of Native Americans or slavery or whatever. That's the majority of the overwhelming. Um, level that people were at and so those things went by for years but at some point we evolved we evolved to be more conscious so that we could right those wrongs that our ancestors have done or that we are currently doing um, abolishing slavery the civil war um, was not a war it was not something that was easy for this country to handle um because of its consequences of, of abolishing slavery and getting rid of slavery, the economic crisis and everything that, that took a toll on that country, that it became more of a human standard rather than an economic standard. That's and, right. And, fi- and, and finding things like that in this society now are very far and in between. And, and we've lost touch of a lot of that humanness with our technology and uh, distractions and political upheaval, all this stuff that, that we can easily get distracted from. We forget, we, we tend to lose touch with our humanness and, and how, uh, how, how significant we are to each other. And 
Mm. I feel like now with everything happening, we're we're I, I I feel we're at a point as a country that we're at another we're at another crossroads and we're going to have to either stand up as a people and do what's right or we're gonna keep following um, our our detrimental footsteps and, and keep the path going for who knows how long. But even to right the ship is gonna take um, a lot of time. It's gonna take a lot of effort. It's gonna take a lot of consciousness. It's gonna take some awareness um, by by the majority in order to to see a change. And, and until that happens, we're gonna continue on that path. I kind of wonder, and I don't know exactly how it was said, but I have this um, thought that keeps on arising. Um, besides just the sadness and grief I have that as a country, this is where we are today. But, and these, these are the views that we're aligning with as a whole. But um, I had a instructor who I actually want to have on my podcast as well, who did cross-cultural communication. And he spoke about um, the microaggressions going on and how... Um, a lot of uh, kind of reiterated some of the things that you were talking about as um, these moments in time that were pivotal to move forward. And um, the microaggressions over the past, I don't know, decade have gotten pretty bad. Um, and he had said something that as soon as I saw Trump potentially winning, which was like, I was, I was shocked. And then I wasn't that shocked when I was watching all the Facebook threads. And I was like, okay, I definitely live in a California micro microculture <laughs> and in, in a bubble, you know, because like that wasn't I, my thread was, and what I was posting in the lines, I, the views I was aligning with weren't the mass majority views of what I saw coming through. And so there was a moment before Trump won that I was like, oh, okay, this is like reality. And something came to me that my instructor said, Gary Hoover, he said, and he didn't say this exactly, and I can't quote it, but it was something along the lines of, um, until we can actually put what is happening on the table and talk about what is actually happening, um, we can't actually move forward because healing can't happen. So I, as much as I don't agree with the new president, um, there's part of me that's like, and I'm always, and this is an impulse I always have. So maybe I'm bypassing in some way. I'm not really quite sure, but I'm trying to stay grounded in like the potential. I'm thinking like maybe because everything that Trump talked about is now on the forefront, right? These aren't microaggressions anymore. I mean, he's talking about like sexism and racism and ageism and like all the isms. He, I mean, he blatantly is talking about them and, and our country is like standing up for it. And so I feel like, like maybe that one thing, this one piece can be the beginning of the dialogue to start healing because we wanted to just pretend I believe as a nation, as a whole, we wanted to pretend, okay, slavery was over and then that was all done. Like, I mean, people still have a hard time 
um, admitting that, yeah, well, segregation was happening, you know, in my grandparents' age. So, I mean, it's like, yes, like, like, so there's a lot that's still not being talked about. And um, there's always something that has resonated with me about, you know, um, three generations. So if, if, if like Isaac's grandma was in Texas and there was literally segregation still, and he's only three generations. So could you imagine like that, how that still has an impact on Isaac, whether he, um, experienced it or not, because like for better or for worse, that was his grandma's reality. Right. And so like, and these things aren't being talked about. We're not, we're not like really talking about them. And I feel like all of Trump's, um, ways of being are something we can actually start talking about because he's just put them out there and, and maybe, maybe it can be the ground for real conversation about what needs to really be done for healing to happen. I don't know. Well, it's, that's exactly, that's exactly right. The, the, the movement, this, you know, after the, the day after Trump was, um, you know, one and, and a couple of days after I was, I was a little, I was a little woozy just because of what I've, I've only just, what I know about Trump is just what I've heard quotes come out of his mouth. So, you know, I, I'm not, ju- I didn't judge him. I didn't say he was a racist or anything like that. I just would, I could just read an article and if it was quoted, that's what I would listen. That's what I would take in. And, but knowing that much about Trump and seeing that he won, I was very uh, fearful for about 25, a few days. I was definitely fearful. I, I, I didn't know what to expect. There was racial, uh, there was racial groups popping up everywhere and writing things on buildings, and so I felt pretty insecure um, in this country and and um, didn't quite know what the future held. But as I calmed down a little bit, my emotions settled down. I became overwhelmed. I just became overwhelmed with the feeling that this is what this country needs. Um, we need to see, we need to see this stuff that we haven't addressed in a long time or ever. We need to have someone say these words so we can get a pulse. We can see ourselves in the mirror. So we can get a, we can get an idea of as a collective consciousness, consciousness where we stand. And there's going to be either, there's going to be rebellion and there's going to be, you know, pro whatever it is he's speaking at the same time. But at least the pro people, the pros can see what the antis are and the antis can see what the pros are. And we can give it, we can hear each other. Hopefully we can hear each other's points and move forward from there. But it's going to have to be, first it needs to be spoken. It needs to be put out there. And the one thing I, I know about Trump is that he's going to say, he'll go off script. He doesn't mind saying what, you know, be it a capitalistic businessman's model of what he's saying. It's, it's, it's like ripping off a Band-Aid and, and seeing the wound. And, and, yes. and, you, and when he does things like that, the, the country's reaction is, what, is where the pulse is going to be. It's, it's the same as the election. 
the election woke up the coastal cities. Like we thought we were living in this bubble of oh, right. everybody's people we see all this stuff. But when those numbers came in and everything, it really woke every everyone up. And I think we are we are seeing as a nation where we stand. Um, as, as a nation in our collective consciousness, we are, we are all now visible of it. Instead of us living in our own little bubbles and our own little worlds, you know, city versus rural or, you know, coastal versus mid and all this stuff in the country, we're now seeing each other and recognizing each other. And that's the most important part is just the, the becoming aware of issues and, and putting the table, talking about it as a family and, and actually having a dialogue with someone else about it without it being a contest to see who's right or wrong. If you could just listen to someone else speak and, and understand where they're coming from, we can move forward and get forward. But if we're steady trying to, instead of listening, we're thinking of our point we're going to make to counter his or her point, we're not listening. And so there, we're, we're just going to keep spinning our wheels in, in circles, chasing our own tail. Yeah, and I think I think I want to reiterate that piece because I think just um, the way, I think just the way our system's set up, and I, I actually love our system in many ways, so I, I'm not like... Um, talking bad, but it does polarize things and, and it, it gets, or the views become so extreme that, um, listening becomes hard because people are so angry or so triggered or feel like it's a personal attack that they're unable to hear, um, the underlying message of what the other is saying. And I'm guilty of that. Like, I feel like I can have a conversation and listen pretty well with, you know, many Republicans, but you get me in a room with my father and it's like, I'm saying no before he even completes a sentence. (laughs) And, and so, I mean, there is something to that about just like becoming mindful that like the other person that's speaking regardless of where they stand, isn't innately bad. It's they're coming from a place that we don't understand. And to lessen the gap of polarity between sides, it's going to require both sides to like really listen and empathetically and compassionately attune to like what's true. Yeah, you're right. And and the only thing is that it, it doesn't. It doesn't always have to be both sides. Sometimes one side is what the other side needs to see or experience in order to learn. And I don't. I don't. You know. I think it. It's really. It really comes down to one side or a majority of whatever side saying, "Okay, I'm. I'm going to accept you. Whatever you say, I'm going to accept that." I'm going to accept that. I'm not. I doesn't mean I have to do it, or we have to, you know, make it law. I'm going to accept that, hear that, and process it as as objectively as possible, because that person came up in a different background, a different time, different era, different parents, and so the way they built those 
whatever they're translating to you, there's a reason behind that. And, and that reason deserves respect. That's that person's history. That's that person's lineage. That's that person's family. And everyone, even though we're black, white, Asian, Indian, we're all still humans. And to notice the, the humanness and the being, the human being and all these individual people walking around, to understand that we're all human beings on this planet, the more, the closer we can get to that realization, the more, the more calm and quiet we become inside as the other person speaking. So we'll be able to walk through a lot more, um, a lot more, you know, the sense of energy if we can kind of have that understanding about us. But it's hard to hold on to that. There's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of, uh, like you said, your emotion just with family alone, the emotion that comes with it is very short. And it's different with family than with friends than with kids. So being able to really look inward and, and have some kind of mantra or something that you can come to and rely on in those times, either before or during that interaction, is is paramount to your whole level of understanding of that person and the openness that you'll have to receive that message. But if we're blocked with emotion and we go in with this preconceived notion that that person's a Democrat, well, that person's not a Democrat, that's a human being. And he's got a history and he's got reasons why he did it. It doesn't make yours right or his right or yours wrong or his wrong. That person's at first and foremost a human being, and he's got, you know, a soul, and he's got an, a, an opinion that his ego has built through society and his past, and on and on and on, which deserves respect. And when you can, when we can do that as a collective, and definitely bring in some some enlightened lawmaking into D.C. and wherever to to help that process along, the better we'll be as a human race. So the way you're talking, I know um, that some of your journey has been um, reading books like Ram Dass and Alan Watts, and there's many others that you're kind of on a journey with, right? Oh, yes. And there is like, I don't know the exact quote, but it's something to the extent of, the only way to make sense out of change is to plunge into it and move with it and join it and dance. And I feel like where you're coming from is kind of that space um, and being still and listening. And um, I think that's that's beautiful. And it takes um, a personal evolution to get to that space and I kind of wonder, like, how or the message or um, that that you have as an African-American man. So, like, yes, we all have our history, right? But, I mean, the and, – and what you're saying is so beautiful and profound. And, and yet there's still this aspect of, like, there is a more repressed energy – and experience around your lineage and so how does like one who has to like still see and be part of that come to this place um 
And what would you say to like those who are struggling with that, you know? So, because what, where you are is just really beautiful and you actually have, in my eyes, every right to still be very angry. I, I feel that and see that every day of my life, whether, um, whether it's through our music, I mean African-Americans, whether it's through our music, our discriminations, uh, racism, uh, our violence to each other in our own neighborhoods, the damage we do to our own property. I see it every day, and it, it, it literally breaks my heart. I cannot, in words, uh, put how, how much it pains me to see us do that, and, and because of our past. And, and a lot of it is our it was so um, demeaning yes. and and it's still going on yes. it's not yes the, the, the slavery institution is over but there is a more profound widespread way that, that African Americans are being exploited on a day to day basis that is beyond slavery we mm-hmm. haven't quite caught up to this new we haven't quite caught on yet. We don't have the leader. We don't have the, the, the being here like a Martin Luther King or Malcolm X or someone that is a, is a, a leader in our African-American community to step up and be the face of our anger, of our resentment, of our indignation, and be able to guide that negative energy in a positive way. There isn't anybody currently in it's at least large enough to make an impact but this again this is part of our this is part of our consciousness movement uh, we've got it we have to move past that just as though just the same way um, this country still has a, you know hasn't really came clean about slavery. You know, we abolished it and we did a lot of things. We gave rights women and, and blacks and desegregation and we did a lot, but we still haven't moved through that consciously. And I think there's there's just a final, final cleansing, a final push that we collectively need to do. Now, African-Americans have a lot of blockage um, in those energy, we have a lot of lot blocking that because of our emotions, because of our lineage, because of what our ancestors went through, and, and how bad we were treated. Well, and, in how many years and, it was just pure survival, right? Right, and so we we have evolved. I mean, even our food evolved. It just it, it all evolved from those times, and and we went from you know uh, tribal communities to totally being broken up. And, and we had some places did have communities of slaves and they were able to build their own little tribes, but we are a tribal community. Even how we live and, and everything we do, we, we travel in tribes. We're a people person, or a person, we're a, per, a personal type people. And so we need to be around people. That's where we get our energy from. That's where we derive happiness from. But we, until we can understand how to get through, move through that anger and that resentment and not be attached 
to those ceilings, we're not going to move into a more positive pace. We're not going to be able to look at things positively. And this goes back to the same methods Martin Luther King, um, you know, went by and, and really inspired the, the country to come together as a race to do something that's right, to do, to do the right thing. To not respond all the time when we're when we're getting called, you know, bad words or we're discriminated against. To not react, but instead just kind of find that space in between the reaction and the emotion, and go there. If you're arrested, so be it. If you know, if you're called a word, so be it. It's that calm. You know what? That is not. You put yourself at a higher place, at a higher standard, at a higher consciousness level than that, because you you have an understanding of of what's really important. It all it all becomes clear once you can move through that. But if you get hung up on your emotion and your reaction and the indignation that oh you know uh, the country owes me this or the country owes me that and I'm a victim of the society and they're treating me wrong. As long as we're living in that victimhood state, as long as we stay there, we're always going to be subject to unhappiness, unrest. We're always going to be subject to, to being the victim. So, and that's the attachment we have to release. So I, I totally um, hear what you're saying. And then as um, a mental health clinician and a therapist... Um, I think about trauma, right? I mean, like I'm immediately starting to think about trauma and then I'm thinking about generational trauma. And then I remember reading in my master's program, um, a book called post-traumatic slave syndrome. Have you heard of this? I have not. Okay. So, um, Dr. Joy and, um, I cannot remember. It's like, uh, Maybe DeGroy, uh, Dr. Joy DeGroy. She um, is an African American woman herself, and she actually was able to like study the generational trauma that happened um, and how like it's passed down. Um, and so I kind of wonder, like, as you're talking about, like, releasing it and not feeling like a victim, um, and, I, like, I agree with those things, but then as I look at a trauma, like, through a trauma lens of, like, um, you know, somebody being raped, you can't just say, okay, well, that happened, and now I release release it. I mean, like, the impact of rape like oh, yeah. stays with no, it, 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 yeah it takes it takes a great deal it, it is nowhere near that easy and i don't mean to say that it's oh that I, i'm not i'm not saying through discrimination and slavery and racism is going to be easy at all right so i'm kind of wondering and, and i wasn't getting i wasn't getting to i wasn't getting the idea that you thought it would be easy but i'm i'm kind of just coming from a place of so, like, then what does that mean um, for African-American people to, like, release being a victim when, I mean, they, they have been victims, right? And, and then there's this generational, like, trauma that's been passed down. And it's a great book. You should read it, and then we'll have to talk about it because I 
I read this book and I, I was just like, oh my gosh, like this woman is brilliant and it needed to be named and it needed to be named for several reasons for the people who struggle with it and for the people who are Caucasian who don't get it and who can read this and be like, oh, I didn't even see this because of my privilege, you know, like it's, it's important. And, um, so I'm kind of wondering like what, what you think maybe that means or like, what is your process? Because I'm, I'm hearing you talk and I feel like the, the way in which you're speaking that some of that, you don't, you, you don't sound like a victim, right? Like you, you don't. And, and maybe that's not true of your experience. Maybe there's still aspects of you that do, but like what has been your process to kind of help move that energy along to come to this place? Well, it came from experience and uh, going through my own trauma just from childhood and grief, uh, unresolved grief, dealing with that for so long and, and all the side effects that that brought I I realized just through uh, man, just a grace of God, uh, someone just mentioning a book, and uh, really it came. We were just talking, sort of like this, and he started breaking down the the really the the spiritual aspect of looking at life. And I had no idea what he was talking about. I had no idea for years. I was about, I was 23. And um, we, we just somehow got on the topic and we ended up talking for hours. And at the end, I was very intrigued, but I didn't understand the gravity of that conversation. And I would get some books and I would read and, and, and read, but didn't quite understand it. I read the words, and I, and I closed the book saying, okay, I read that book, put it on the shelf. <laughs> How many times and, I've and, done this? <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really grasp what was in the book. It was so dense and so heavy mm-hmm. that, I, that I couldn't grasp it. And it took years of, of unhappiness, of guilt and shame and fear mm. that I just, I just got tired. I, I got tired and I said, there has, there's got to be there's got to be another way to this. There's got to be an easier way to life. And my son was being born, and I I opened up the books again, and I started to understand that there's so much more to life than what I'm seeing mm. and what my senses are experiencing and yes. what I feel. Mm. And... As I, as I started looking at society and life differently, um, as, uh, really objectively, I started seeing um, this, this world that I didn't see before. And whether that's the suffering of it, seeing a lot of suffering that is, is kind of hidden and, and, and very, um, very quiet, shadows and then there I saw a lot of desire I saw a lot of um, materialistic habits that um, as, as African American that, that we have you know our targeting and, and our obsession with money um, thinking the world is, is the way out and to buy your happiness well 
I think that go, that's a na- don't you think that's a nation? I mean, like I, I want to hear what you're uh, saying, but I mean, don't you think as a nation I, that's kind of true? I can't rel- I can't speak for uh, another culture. I, I know intimately the African American culture is is are, we're very very much obsessed with the power of money and what it brings. Um, we are a very loving culture. We are a very yes. rich uh, ethnic culture. But we are misguided in the way that we perceive the world. And we think that um, the more money we get or the bigger chains or cars or fastest cars or how many different cars we can buy is our way out. There's a, that, there's a psychological reason for that. Um, maybe another podcast. I understand that reason. I know, you know, because we haven't had much and when you first get something, you know, I understand the logic behind those intentions and, and why we are the way we are. But in order to change, that doesn't do any good because we still have to realize that error that we have and and and, and self-correct it a little bit because as long as we're aiming for something that could be taken away, taken away from us, we're always going to be in the same place. We're, we may go up four steps or we're going to fall down six. Uh, only because our 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 aim isn't high enough. Well, it's almost We're like aiming. it's almost like you're talking about self, like, like you're literally talking about like self worth, and um, you're talking about like um, self esteem, and 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 I'm hearing you say like what, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm hearing you say like as a culture, it like the that the buying of and the collecting of and the spending of money is like the outside self-worth and and you're saying it's much deeper than that it's something that needs to come from inside and core well yes and and what we're doing is we're using our uh, our deprivation of things in life in society that we see on the outside we look outside. We, looking outside means not watching TV or looking at our phones nowadays and seeing all these things that people have. And I'm talking about it in, in, in our poorest societies, in our poorest cultures, in our cities, in our urban areas that are, are not doing well. Right, right. And looking outside, seeing all these new cars that are coming out, new planes, they're seeing the world evolve, but they're trapped in this social area that does, is not evolving. That's they're, right. They're trapped in this in this part of society that is not evolving. They don't have the new cars. There's no none of the new things that they're seeing on TV. So there's it creates a natural vacuum for you to say, oh, that's that's what I'm that's what we're gonna do. It's gonna get out of the get out of the ghetto. We're gonna, I'm gonna buy my house, my mom a house, and I'm gonna get this fancy car because that's what you obsessed over for so many years if you didn't see that on a regular like other outside societies or outside cultures or neighborhoods you didn't see the new Benz new Mercedes Benz you've never seen that before so when it's capable or when you're trying to you know as, as a goal as a purpose it's easy to fall in that trap to do whatever you can to attain those material things because that's what's sold that's what's sold to you that's, right that's what our that's what's outside the looking glasses that's that's what we think life is, and yeah. And when you when you do, even when you do get it, coming from a standpoint where I have, I came from that. 
and I, so I'm speaking from experience. Well, you didn't. Myself. You you didn't. You <laughs> didn't have that. You didn't have that, right? I mean, like fundamentally, right. you didn't, yeah. and then all of a sudden, you did. And, and and that's what helped me understand that there's more than life. So I was able by playing football. I understand. I I came into money very abruptly, very sudden, and I saw what I could buy with money, and I did. But then, after I acquired what I wanted, there was still there was still more. There was still there was still it didn't fill the gap. I still wasn't happy. There was still right. unhappiness. There was still unrest. There was still anxiety. There was still something, and it wasn't something that my bank account could buy or do anything about. Right. And that's when I started opening the books again, and that's when I started addressing my feelings. I started opening up, started expressing myself more, and. And and that process is still going on. And so I don't know, I can't say what the process is for someone or, or maybe us as a race or as a culture. I know one thing is that having, having acquired a certain level of, of finances and, being, and, and have bought it and spent it and traveled there and been there and done that, now as I said, I'm... I, I'm guarantee, I guarantee you that that's not where it's at. <laughs> it's not there. I can save a lot of people the trip of, of, of going about it that way. It's, it's all about inside you. It, well, you, and what do you say? You can have a big bank account, but you, if you're not, if your worth, you're, the way you feel about yourself is not that great, it doesn't matter what that number in your account is. And what do you say to those, like, I mean, because this is a real thing, right? So... What do you say to those younger kids or the younger yous, right? I mean, the younger you. What do you say to the younger you who believes, like, okay, like, who might hear your message right now and and might fully agree with what you're saying, but then still has that thing with, like, yeah, but if I I didn't have to worry about, like, my house payment or where I'm going to live, like, then then things are going to be okay, like – where like you know the fundamental survival aspect is still at play so like the message isn't hitting home right and and I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily change my past I, I, I'm not saying that I think I would leave everything much the struggle that I went to is exactly exactly what led me to this point and I wouldn't change those experiences because I needed to see those, I needed to go through that stuff. I needed to go through this process. I would tell myself though, I would tell my earlier self, my younger self to, to don't be afraid to be great. Don't be afraid to, to be mindful and conscious and, and generous and, and attentive to others and their mm. needs. Mm. Don't forget don't forget that there's a soul behind those eyes and, and to treat them with the same fairness that you would like to be treated and, and have humility. All the stuff, the success that you're getting ready to see, you need to take it in stride. You need to process that and not get overwhelmed with it and get stressed out about it. Yeah. You'll, you'll learn your lesson. You'll have to go through it in order to understand where you need to be and where you're at. All this stuff, all the stuff that's going to happen to you is happening for a reason. Mm. So don't ignore it and don't take it for granted and be humble about it all. Well, it sounds like that's where you are. 
I I would th- I would hope so. There are a lot of time, you know. There's there's times when I get lost. Um, I get sidetracked. I definitely can get tired and cranky. Oh, you're you're I, human. I don't think there's anyone. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't think there's anyone that you know just doesn't have their time, which is which is absolutely perfectly natural. Like that's perfectly fine. But I'm able to. Um, life is slowing down um, for me. I know it's not happening outside. In fact, it's speeding up. The world is speeding up, literally. But I'm personally slowing life down. So instead of reacting to news or um, something happening, dropping a plate or water, there's just a sense of calmness that that I I have, and I've been able to kind of cultivate for longer periods of time where I'm at a point where it can be a pretty steady process throughout the day. But there's no doubt that there's going to be, there's definitely going to be falls. There's going to be, you know, fall on your face. Um, you're not going to understand it. Um, but when you're ready, you know, you'll, you'll see, you know, I think there's a saying, you know, when the, when the student's ready, the teacher will come. Yes, that's and my grandmother's favorite saying she said that all the time to me it's very true it's very true and and so i, I think once we can we're able to open up and, and um really see the opportunities that we are having we're not um we're not always in that victim state even though yes we are subject of, of a lot of different things that we cannot control in our society we don't have to be there don't have to be the victim. We can choose to not be the victim and say, you know, I'm going to be proactive this time, or I'm going to avoid this, or you know what, I'm not going to react in this way with hatred or anger. That's not going to solve this problem. And start thinking about what's what's a solution. So our solution-based thinking has to awaken and come alive. We have it. We're very bright people, and hopefully. We can go through times of maybe, you know, some awakening things that, that happen publicly and sometimes personally that will kind of help us uh, just, you know, be a little more aware and, and, and conscious of, of what's going on um, around us. Well, on that note, I hope that um, we can continue this dialogue and journey on future podcasts as we go inward and back out. And um, I thank you so much for sharing this beautiful message and sharing your time. My pleasure. Yeah, it's beautiful. And um, anybody who's listening, this is Nicole Lee Master, and today I was with Nile Diggs. And if you want to like me on Facebook, it's under Nicole Lee Master, and you can look me up under Coleology. That's what the podcast is called, Coleology. And my website will be up and running soon, coleology.com. Please um, come back for further future consciousness talks. Thank you so much for your time.